Truth News Network. A politician on the campaign trail once said, we choose truth over facts. I don't need to mention any names, Joe Biden. But if you think that statement is reassuring, you're probably not going to like what happens next. Because you're in the home of blunt force truth, of conservative thought, not just talk, of facts that are truth. Welcome to TNN, the Truth News Network. And here's Dan Newman. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Friday. Friday. Man, the week went by quickly. Did it for you? Maybe it was just because we've been so busy. I don't know. But maybe because Valentine's Day, we had a holiday in the middle of the week. And we had Mardi Gras on Tuesday. And then Ash Wednesday, a religious holiday for the Catholics around the world. Maybe all that put together made it seem like it went really, really quickly. Whatever. Let me tell you what didn't go so quickly. Chaos, gross misunderstanding, gross misrepresentation of a lot of things in government. If you look around the world right now, look at the governments on other continents, other countries, look at the governments. Do you know, can you point to any country on earth that right now seems to have everything going for them? No big problems, no issues, no threats of war or civil war internally. I can't think of a single country that I can say honestly is living in that kind of environment right now. It seems like everywhere, everyone is up in arms and complaining about government. Now, don't get me wrong, that used to happen all the time anyway. But they always, when they pointed to those governments around the world that were being run by sycophants that were top-down, not government of the people or by the people, we were always left out of that conversation. Why? Because our forefathers and our grandparents and great-grandparents, their United States government, they just signed in to believe what we were told when we were young. And the documents proved why the United States of America was established, how it was established, and what it's supposed to be operated by. We just took for granted that was going to happen for every way. Just forever it was going to happen that way. Well, doggone it, reality set in. And we're on the other end of that spectrum. We're in that group of all of those, I don't know, third world countries that are just stricken every day every day, with chaos, fear, misunderstanding, top-down government. You never know where you stand as a citizen. You never know what your rights really are because if you are told you have the rights and big government wants to steal them from you, they just take them. (laughs) Sound a little bit like this administration? Wow. Well, we're going to start the show today with um, something a little bit unusual that we don't normally do here. We're going to talk about some of that crap going on in our government right now in election year and what Democrats are already preparing for this upcoming November election. That and a whole lot more. We're going to dig in in a minute.
everybody if you joined us a little bit late it's not really late yet six after the hour you missed the stuff we mentioned at the top of the show about chaos and confusion in almost every country on the planet and a lot of it is purposeful you know if you think about it if you're a top-down person if you think that way you know whoever's in charge is in charge of everything and everybody and everybody just must sit and wait until whoever that is that's in charge tells them what to do, shows them what to do, or tells them what not to do. That's kind of the way I feel right now about our government. And you know, this is all we do here. We spend a lot of time in preparation and planning for what we're going to bring to you every day. There are lots of options out there in the way of important stories. We could spend five or six hours every day and not quite get it all covered. What we try to do is highlight the really important things, the ones that are sticking out and everybody's asking questions about because it's in their eyes on television, it's in their ears on radio, and they wonder what is really going on. They're saying this stuff, and we're seeing these reports, but can we really rely on the veracity of what we're seeing and hearing? I'm ashamed to say But I don't think we can. On the most part, media is not telling the Americans the facts. Now, they'll tell us stories, and they'll give us details of all the stories they bring to us, but the details are not just plain, raw, factual information. They're tainted. They're tainted by the perspective, the narrative that those that bring us the stories, not the content of the stories, they bring us the stories tell us what's going on, tell us why those things are going on, and who's responsible. And then we find out after we hear and watch it and make some decisions based upon what we think are facts, we find out we got duped. There's plenty of that going on. Now, just because this is an election year, it means that between now and November, before our election we're going to be talking about a lot of things going on in all 50 states regarding elections. And so here we are. We've got a little bit of February left. So let's just say March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, and a little bit of November. So we've got roughly nine months before Election Day, and already Democrats around the nation are getting set for the November election, manipulating election laws. Let me just give you one example. Up in Minnesota, Democrats in the Minnesota House of Representatives, they've got a bill on the table. They haven't passed it yet. If it gets to be considered before the Minnesota House of Representatives, it will, if it's adopted, drastically expand Minnesota's already progressive absentee ballot laws just in time 
for the 2024 presidential election. The bill, and it's got a title, HF 3447, it requires auditors in counties around the state and municipal clerks all across Minnesota to place temporary voting locations on college and university campuses that ask for them. One Democrat state representative, Christy Purcell, she arguing argued during the House Elections Committee hearing that it would remove proven barriers to participation. Proven barriers to participation. And that's despite the state's existing laws that give ample opportunities and time for residents to vote without any issues. HF 3447, it's an opportunity to ensure more college students are able to cast a ballot. And some of them, many of them, perhaps for the first time, she said. Purcell argues that many post-secondary campuses don't host election day polling places. And that causes a disparity in the number of voters. For example, one district, 58A, Purcell, that's the area she represents. There are two small liberal arts colleges, one of which has an on-campus polling place on election day, one of which does not. And we see the pretty stark disparity in voter participation in each of those. HF 3447 will remove proven barriers to participation information, transportation, and time for young adults currently in colleges of all kinds of institutions across Minnesota. Given that young adults are least likely to own a car, I don't know about that. I don't know any teenagers today that don't either own their own car or they've got ready access to mom or dad's car. She continued, many 18 to 19-year-olds don't even have a driver's license. And because of that, it can be very difficult for them to reach early voting age and election day voting sites. So Minnesota's election laws, they already allow for no excuses needed absentee and mail-in voting, giving voters over 40 days, 40, 40 days to cast a ballot before the election. Still, Several Minnesota students argued in front of the committee that despite the state leading the nation in student voter turnout, their state's laws are not inclusive enough. Oh my God, 40 days. Why just 40? Why don't they give us like, you know, five or six months? Although historically youth turnout has lagged behind other demographics, Recent elections have seen a big surge in participation among young voters in Minnesota. Notably, Minnesota students have led the nation in student voter turnout over the past three elections. However, disparities still persist, stemming from unequal access to information, avenues for engagement, particularly across racial ethnic lines, educational backgrounds, geographical regions, and age groups. So what do the other sides say, the Republicans up there? Well, one, Minnesota Republican State Rep Ben Davis, he pushed back on this assertion that current state laws don't allow an equal opportunity for college students to vote in a Q&A period with Purcell. Davis got Purcell to admit that Minnesota does not have any laws 
excluding eligible college students from voting. And to get eligible, all you have to do in in Minnesota is be a U.S. citizen 18 or older. That's kind of wide open. The state rep then calls HF 3447 an unfunded mandate for counties, adding that college students already have the right to vote. College students already have the right to vote. They have a month and a half, 46 days to get it done. To vote, Davis said, here we are going to set up a polling place on college campuses that we're going to expect the counties to take care of all the funding, all the staffing, and the organizing for it. And again, this is going to increase cost when they already have a month and a half to vote. They already have the right to vote. I think this is very fiscally irresponsible for us once again, as the state is wasting taxpayers' money. Another Republican spoke up about this, State Representative Pam Altendorf. She said the fact that the bill allows colleges and universities with 1,500 or more students to request an on-campus polling place, it's biased against Republican voters. Why? It excludes even smaller institutions, which are typically more conservative. That's a concern of the public that we would be picking and choosing who we are driving to the polls to vote. Enough on that story. Let me let me just tell you why I brought that up. Here we are, nine months away, nine months away, and Democrats are already finding ways and things that they are going to implement. You can book it in Minnesota, something like this or this exact voting situation will be done before November. Why college campuses? You know the answer to that. They've been in these kids' heads in public education in Minnesota and every other state for years now, indoctrinating them on democracy. Now, democracy is one of those words that here at Truth News Network, we throw it in that bundle, that pile of it lives by itself in a vacuum. In other words, it's pure. Unless and until somebody takes a hold of it and starts to manipulate and get people to think it's something that it's not. Democracy. Democracy. Why wouldn't they just do something like this for every institution of any kind across Minnesota? Why just colleges? Because there are young people there that are fully indoctrinated and have been for at least a decade, each of them, with, you've got to listen to the Democrats. You can't follow those MAGA crazy people. They hate democracy. Everybody that's listening right now, I challenge you, find somebody, not hard to find out there if you ask a question, that believes our democracy is under fire by somebody. Donald Trump, Joe Biden, whoever, and get them to tell you why they think that is so and explain it to you. You're going to find out a huge majority of our young Americans are being indoctrinated every day. They're hearing this SOS, same old stuff from college professors, public high school teachers, friends, 
relatives that are all in that particular kind of area. I'm talking about in age because they're all like-minded. They've all come through this same dark ocean of lies and manipulating of young people to think one way or another and to always tell them there's a villain out there, the big bad boogeyman. He's going to come tear you apart if you don't vote for democracy. And, of course, every time you vote for democracy, you pull a lever for a Democrat. Otherwise, oh, you're evil. Now, why would I start the show today with that? This is just a warm-up act, folks. This is just beginning to happen. We thought 2020 and what was exposed in 2020's election was bad. You ain't seen nothing yet. If you give any credence whatsoever to anybody that tells you there was no voter fraud in 2020, that person, you should never believe another word that they say because they are bullface lying. There's a plethora of examples, many of which have quietly gone through the judiciary in each state, every state, every single state has had cases since 2020, 2022 about election fraud and people have been proven to purposely have manipulated votes in both of those elections and in both of those elections, when I say manipulating, irregularity, fraud, whatever you want to call it, it affects hundreds of thousands and even millions of votes that were cast. I'll tell you now, people like Sean Hannity have been saying this since the 2020 election. Four years now have been warning us all, if conservatives don't adopt the policies of getting people to vote that the Democrat Party has, conservatives will never win another race. It's not time for us to sit back and fold our arms and look around and see what's going on and, you know, tell others around us, look at what they're doing. Can you believe they're doing that? And then you don't do anything but talk about it. That doesn't get anything done. It's time to get things done. And if it's not our government, who who's going to do it? Unless we make a lot of noise. And conservatives don't normally do that. If we're going to play the Democrat game, we got to play in the Democrat game. You know what I mean? I'm not talking about cheating. Conservatives don't believe in that. I don't believe in that. You don't have to cheat. Yeah, there are certain circumstances that are laid out there with plans to help voters that want to vote, that have blockades of some kind, transportation, health, whatever. There are ways to do that legally. And there's nothing wrong with doing that legally. But you know what? I remember a day, a time in my life, and it hadn't been that many years ago, where election day was election day. Everybody voted on election day. And at the end of the evening, about 10 o'clock in the middle of the nation, that would be 8 on the West Coast, midnight on the East Coast, we knew who won. Now, oh my gosh, they leave the voting open for days and weeks even to make sure that when the Democrats count the votes and they need 
some more votes to win in an election, they've still got time to go get people to vote. I'm not telling you a lie. That's an existence in every state already right now. We're watching what a very slim majority in one house of Congress, what it makes happen in legislation. It's unbelievable to think that where you have 435 people in one house of Congress, 435, and it comes down to being one vote of a majority. One party has a one vote edge. That's almost impossible to overcome to get get the legislation passed, put rules in place, put laws in place that will take care of all the issues that we have. What does that mean? We've got to coordinate. We've got to stay in contact with each other. We've got to listen and learn and figure out not just that something's this way or that way, but what are we going to do about it to fix it? Sitting still and shaking your head and crying foul, it doesn't do anybody any good, none whatsoever. So let's just go down to Atlanta, Georgia for a few minutes. Did you... Did you see any of that trial yesterday? It was unbelievable. I got to say something, and it's regarding physicality in the beginning, and you may think I'm a, a toad for saying this and noticing this. I didn't watch much of it. I just tuned in every once in a while, walked by the television and saw the latest. Fanny, Fonny, however you pronounce her first name, Willis, the district attorney in Fulton County, Georgia. She's... Um, before a court, a judge, and she got drilled yesterday about her compadre, her lover, the person that she hired, the attorney that she hired to lead this charge to go get Donald Trump for election fraud, a racketeering trial. And there's no question now that they were lovers and that there was a lot of money that floated around in Fulton County and it went from places to people, and it shouldn't have gone there. She was on the stand for most of the day yesterday, and I watched little bits and pieces. First of all, the first thing I noticed, now I'm going to tell you this, and you're going to go look for yourself. She had on a, I guess it was a pink, maybe a light red dress yesterday. Now, I'm not into women's clothing. My wife dresses to the nines. She's gorgeous. She wears beautiful stuff. My knowledge of clothing for women stops there. We do have two daughters, and when we were growing up, dad would every once in a while be taking the kids somewhere, and I hope the girls get dressed. That's the extent of my clothing knowledge. But Fanny went into court yesterday with a dress on backwards. (laughs) I'm serious. It's got that zipper that they only put at the top of the back of a dress. You know, the zipper's totally hidden inside, and you got the little thing that hangs down. And she was sitting on the witness stand, and I looked. The first thing I noticed was her dress didn't fit her well in the shoulders. And it was because she had the dress on backwards. 
So that'll tell you what my real thoughts were about the content of that trial yesterday. There's not very much substance there. It's They're just playing dodgeball. She's trying to justify uh, what she did. What she did was wrong. There's going to be really wide aspirations to try to get out of this wrongdoing that was done. I don't think it's going to work. If this trial is not just voided by this judge. We're going to see we're going to see a witch hunt literally play out in Georgia. She jumped on the witness stand to defend her once romantic relationship. We're told now that it's not romantic anymore with the special prosecutor. His name is Nathan Wade. Clashing face-to-face with defense attorneys who she and Wade both accused of lying. They they accused him of that in the, in the courtroom yesterday. The defense spurred by a motion filed by Trump campaign operative Michael Roman last month claims Willis and Wade's relationship renders the 98-page racketeering indictment fatally defective. And they've asked a Georgia judge to boot them from the case. So Fannie, Fanny, her reputation's on the line. She meant no words. She attempted to persuade the judge, Scott McAfee, that there were no ethical lines crossed and defense attorneys left no stone unturned as they sought to prove otherwise. So instead of going into it and getting deep, let me just give you the five big revelations from the explosive disqualification hearing. After allegations of a romance between the prosecutor surfaced, the DA's office stayed silent for weeks, never said a word. But on Thursday, DA Willis took to the witness stand with her gloves up. At the start of her testimony, she railed against Roman attorney Ashley Merchant for filing the dishonest motion, her term, dishonest motion, to disqualify the DA, accusing her of spreading lies, implying she slept with Wade the first day she met with him. When someone lies to you, excuse me, lies on you, when someone lies on you, and I'm looking at the picture of her now, she had that dress on backwards. I'm serious. When someone lies on you, it's highly offensive, she said, after the judge asked her to stay on topic with the questioning. Another line of questioning about whether Willis and Wade cohabitated It drew outrage from the DA who grabbed a stick of exhibits in both hands, shaking them and repeating, it's a lie, it's a lie. She accused Merchant of intruding in her personal life, reminded the defense attorney she's not on trial. These people are on trial for trying to steal an election in 2020, she said, and she waved at the crowd. I'm not on trial no matter how hard you try to put me on trial. So that was number one. Number two of five, Willis and Wade stand firm on relationship timeline. Both of those two, Willis and Wade, they testified their relationship began in early 2022, sometime between February and April. But both of them struggled when asked for precise dates of when the relationship started and ended. It's not like when you're in grade school and you send a little letter and it says, will you be my girlfriend? And you check it, Willis said. I don't know the day we started seeing each other, but it was early 22. 
is my recollection. Wade, when he was on the stand before Willis and asked similar questions, joked that as a man, he was bad when it came to dates. Both the prosecutors testified they met at a 2019 judicial conference and they bonded as jurists of color. Oh, but not romantically. Instead started a mentor-like relationship. (laughs) A mentor-like relationship. Wade recalled their communication increased as time passed, but he wouldn't have been dating Willis any earlier than 2022 because he was battling cancer amid the COVID-19 pandemic. That prevented me from pretty much leaving environments that aren't sterile, he said. The pair did differ on when their relationship ended, though. Wade testified they stopped dating summer of 23, possibly June, though he was unsure of the date. Willis offered a slightly different timeline, testifying she considered their relationship over by August. He's a man. He probably would say June or July, she said. I would say we had a tough conversation in August. Men end relationships with the physical intimacy. Women end relationships when that tough conversation takes place, she added. I got to remember that. I did not know that about men and women. I know there's a lot of differences, but I I didn't think that uh, you could just pick a date and stab something into it and be that absolute when it comes to romance. I mean, so despite their romantic relationship, it ran its course. Both Wade and Phyllis described each other as good friends, said their relationship was strengthened by the attacks they faced in Roman's motion. I think that you've cemented that we'll be friends to the day we die, Willis told Merchant, one of the defense attorneys. But then, this was the salient part, and I happened to walk through when this was happening. There's an ex-friend in this whole debacle. And this ex-friend yesterday, on the witness stand, contradicts details of this romance. Despite their agreement, the relationship timeline presented by Willis and Wade, it got in a bit of trouble by testimony from one of Willis's former close friends, Robin Yerty, who met Willis in college. She testified yesterday the DA began a romantic relationship with Wade all the way back to 2019, right after a municipal court conference, three years prior to when the prosecutors said they began dating. Willis told the court she and Yerdy wouldn't w- would party together in college, but are no longer friends. Yerdy affirmed the two no longer spoke, testifying their friendship ended after a situation happened when she was working for the district attorney's office that resulted in an ultimatum: resign or be fired. You have no doubt the romantic relationship was in effect from 2019 until the last time you spoke with her. Merchant, the attorney, asked Garrity, no doubt, she said. And then the next point, Willis paid cash for vacations. I love this one. Now, one of the vacations was overseas, and you don't go overseas with $100 bills stuffed in your wallet or in your pants. You just don't. That's the first thing I thought of listening to part of this testimony. At the heart of of Roman's disqualification motion is whether Willis hired Wade 
while they had a romantic relationship and has since financially benefited from his employment. He got paid, by the way, $600,000 by Georgia taxpayers to put the prosecution together for this trial of Trump. Six hundred grand in court. Oh, and he's never done it before. Forgot to tell you that. No case like this ever before. Nothing even close. But she, Willis, picked him because he was the most, most available prosecutor. In court filings, defense attorneys pointed to joint vacations to Aruba and Belize, plus two cruises to the Bahamas and other trips for which they said Wade paid. Willis and Wade claim they divide their travel expenses rather evenly. Convenient, when you think. However, Wade testified he only had one receipt to back this claim because Willis otherwise always paid in cash. Now, that statement caused one defendant in the gallery, David Schaefer, to laugh out loud, got a rebuke from the judge who said he'd be removed for any other outburst. The special prosecutor described Willis as an independent, proud woman who insisted on paying her own way, used cash for safety reasons. That's kind of an oxymoron. That's why you don't use cash is for safety reasons. And she wasn't attempting to obscure the transactions. He also said he did not deposit the cash Willis paid him for their trips together. You don't have a single solitary deposit slip that'll corroborate or support any of your allegations that you were paid in cash by Mrs. Willis? No, sir, Wade replied, adding he would either spend it or put it in my pocket or put it in the hotel's safe. So when Willis was asked about the cash, she testified she'd always kept a bunch of cash because her daddy told her growing up that as a woman, she should have at least six months cash in her home at all times. I always have cash at the house all my life, she said. So after their testimonies concluded, a defense attorney suggested from the gallery, Willis and Wade's cash system doesn't pass the smell taste. And then Wade, who was in the middle of a nasty divorce, he disputed the defense claim that he lied in his divorce filings. Merchant, who first unearthed the romantic allegations between Willis and Wade in court filings, claimed that Wade previously said in divorce documents under oath he had no outside relationship during his marriage, a direct contradiction to the affidavit that he filed earlier acknowledging his relationship with Willis. He lied in court. We've got two declarations in two different courts, both sworn, both filed with the court, that say something completely different, Merchant said earlier this week, claiming Wade later altered the interrogatory in his divorce case to assert a right to privacy. Wade attempted to clear the air yesterday, testifying that by 2015, his marriage was irretrievably broken and that any relationship with Willis did not contradict his sworn statements. Because my marriage was irretrievably broken, I was free to have a relationship, he said. 
Does this sound like it's really a big deal between several people that are really sharp? I stop. When I ask that question, I stop right at this one thing. Why the heck were they together? And I'm not talking about together romantically. Why were they together in law? This is just the beginning of all. There are going to be so many more things that come out. And I'm not one. This is this is a soap opera already. I'm not one that I don't watch that kind of stuff. And just a little bit that I saw yesterday of the live hearings, I, I just I just turned and walked away. It's ridiculous. And think about what these people have already done to a bunch of people. There are people that have pled guilty and cut a deal with the prosecution that were charged to being part of this huge case, principally against Donald Trump and a bunch of others that were friends, associates, or whatever. And um, don't forget, these two both met twice in Washington, D.C. with the Biden administration before this case was ever filed. Why would the feds be a part of it? There's only one reason. I'll just give you this, and we're going to move on to something better. Joe Biden is single-handedly, with the assistance of Attorney General Merrick Garland and some lawyers and prosecutors around the nation, he is purposely doing everything he can in court to keep Donald Trump from running against him in November. That's what this whole thing is about. Now, another story popped out, one that you're going to want to hear about. Some schemes from the Biden team are in the works to exploit special counsel transcripts. The ones from that five-hour interview he had with the special counsel. And they're trying to spin it so that it makes Joe look good. You're not going to believe this. That's up next. Hi, welcome to the Subway ad for the three ninety nine six inch sub of the day. How do you want it? Secret DJ set. At a retirement home? Weird. I like it. DJ sandwich in the house. What did he say? Italian BMT $3.99. I called the EMT. Turkey breast $3.99. How much? $3.99. $3.99. Bingo! Time at participating shops. Prices and subs included may vary. Additional charge for extras plus tax. No additional discounts or coupons applied. We're outside Pilgrim Furniture and Mattress City where parents are disappearing. Excuse me, are your parents in there? Yeah. They can't decide if they should take no interest for 60 months with no money down or an extra $100 off every $9.99 they spend. It's a tough choice. But they've been in there for six hours. I want dinner. Parents, if you're at Pilgrim, please make a decision. Here's good news. Even with high unemployment, there's still a need for hundreds of thousands of cybersecurity professionals in the U.S. right now. And my computer career is training people to help meet the demand. No IT experience? No problem. Take the free career evaluation today at mycomputercareer.edu. Start your new life as an IT pro in as little as four months. Grants covering up to 53% of the cost are available to those who qualify. It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu. Those in the know like to stay in the realm of innovation. Join them. 
It's easy to keep up with the latest trends and own the latest tech with BMW Select as it offers you the option to drive a brand new BMW every three years. You also get to tailor your deal to suit your pocket and your lifestyle. Visit select.bmw.co.za for more. BMW Select. Dynamic finance for ultimate control. BMW Financial Services is an authorized FSP and registered credit provider. T's and C's apply. Partisan spin? Not here. Identity politics? Go somewhere else. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. Here's Dan Newman. Yep, lots of truth around here. Pretty much every day, but especially on Fridays. Uh, That would be today, right? So, what's going on with Uncle Joe? Well, he's wandering around the halls of the White House, and Jill's trying to tell him it might be time to go change your depends. Joey. (laughs) Well, some of his aides, they were shocked at what he did when he came out and responded to the special counsel's release of the contents of the five hours the two spent together in the middle of this classified document investigation that uh, Justice Department's prosecutor Robert Hur is in the middle of. And those people in the White House are scared to death. So they're trying to manipulate something to make Joe look good. Last week's release of the Justice Department, Robert Hur and that probe into Biden's mishandling of those documents, um, came away making Joe look like he was cognitively declined, that the octogenarian didn't really have a future and anything beyond where he is today, and that he is too senile to be part of a jury trial. That's what the special prosecutor said, Robert Herr. Well, this got a furious pushback from the White House. You heard Joe in his speech, and um, he just let a, a few things slip that just kind of made him look even worse than he looked before this all came out. In a complete contradiction of the administration's pledge to bring transparency and truth back to government, remember that? That's why Joe wanted us to vote for him. He was going to bring transparency and truth back to government. And he had the power to do that, of course, because he's had it in his pocket since he and Barack left office. He's the one that took transparency and owned it. They destroyed it in their eight years. According to an NBC News report, Biden aides are expecting a lengthy partisan clash over the transcript and possibly even the audio recording that Republicans are trying to get released now. And they're mulling a strategic release that would cherry pick segments of the audio tape that could be used to publicly rebut her description of Biden as an elderly man with a poor memory. That's a true statement if one was to judge by the president's extensive and growing collection of senior moments and gaffes that are well documented on video and audio. We've played hundreds of them for you here. Referencing the customary anonymous sources and two people familiar with the discussions. That's what they always say. Ain't two people involved in it. If it's legitimate, they would want and perfectly be willing for their names to be given. But that's another story. NBC 
reports that Biden's team feels that the interview was a far more freewheeling discussion than what was detailed in Hur's report and is now weighing how to best position him, Joe, to weather the protracted fallout from Hur's report. The internal discussions among Biden aides have focused on how to transcript, how that transcript of his interview might help him instead of hurting him politically when it comes to voters' concerns about his age. This is according to NBC News. Another consideration, whether it would make strategic sense to release the entire transcript or to the extent that full disclosure is avoidable to publicize specific moments in the interview. That, of course, they need to help push back on the questions about Biden's handling of classified materials, his mental fitness. And so they're putting a plan together. Meanwhile, House Republicans are calling for the full release of the Hur transcripts in the interest of transparency. On Monday, they dropped a letter to Attorney General Merrick Garland, the chairs of three top committees in the House, said that the interview is relevant to their ongoing impeachment inquiry. Americans deserve transparency about President Biden's mental state and his mishandling of classified documents. That's from the Oversight Committee in a post. They shared it with all of us when they sent it to Merrick Garland. Her is now expected to testify publicly before the House Judiciary Committee March 12th, three weeks from now where he will be grilled over his decision to not bring charges against Biden in a hearing where the special counsel's observations about Biden's mental state will almost certainly be a topic. The White House's strategy? Well, it would seem to get ahead of the story because what they want to do is shape the narrative in a way to gaslight the public about Biden's visible, very visible, and very obvious mental decay much like their effort to dupe Americans that Bidenomics is working for them. Despite the crushing inflation they see with each and every trip to the grocery store or to get gasoline. In her very first press briefing of the new administration back on January 20th of 2021, then White House Press Secretary Circleback Saki, she said Biden would bring transparency and truth back to the government to share the truth. And the truth will take care of itself. (laughs) I haven't seen much of that yet. (laughs) Have you? Speaking of Joe, just say that it was determined between now and, let's say August, let's say before the Democrat National Convention in uh, Chicago, to decide who's going to run on the ticket to be president for Democrats later this year. Just say maybe, just maybe, it's probably not going to happen, but just in case they start thinking about who is a possible replacement for Joe. Now, I've talked about that on this show. I predicted who I thought it would be. If you're a regular, you know exactly who I thought it possibly would be and every few days I get people that say oh it couldn't be that it couldn't be her yeah it's a her Mrs. Obama I think Michelle will be the targeted person if they replace Joe why she's apolitical 
She hasn't been in the political process. None of her dirt in her rearview mirror, and there's a bunch, has been bandied about by the media because even when she was in the White House for eight years with Barack, she was kind of quiet. She would do the first lady stuff, but she didn't really get into politics. I think that would be a benefit for her, for the Democrat Party, if they made her be the choice at the convention because there wouldn't be nearly enough time for the media to dig in and be able to bring all of the appropriate stuff from her past that would somehow prevent her from being elected. The American people would not accept her. I can't see that. But who else? Who else is out there that could do the deal? Feeding Kamala to Donald Trump would not only doom DEI Thursdays, but Democrats might lose worse than Mondale. Then there's Newsom, who enjoyed a nice bottle of Napa Cab while reading the Her Report last night, I'm sure. He has the height, hair, youth, and money, and pays attention to primetime because he took our advice and went undercover to see what California's really like. Slapped on a hat, picked up trash on the side of the street. But if the Democrats replace Kamala with Gavin, it triggers an identity politics civil war. And there's no guarantee Newsom beats Trump at all. It's unlikely. So why waste him? Keep him undefeated and hold him fresh for 28. The Hail Mary is coronating Michelle Obama at the convention in Chicago. It's her hometown. But she just got a taste of the good life. She doesn't really want to work in the White House and fight with Barack about who's really in charge. So Democrats are stuck with Biden. It might be better to lose with Joe than anyone else. But as we've seen with Democrats, when they know they're going to lose, they fight dirty. Charlie Spearing is the author of Amateur Hour and a political reporter for DailyMail.com. Charlie, you did a deep dive into the Kamala world. What do you think's going on right now after this report just dropped? Yeah, Jesse, it's really bad because Democrats are increasingly talking quietly behind the scenes about how how can they get Gavin Newsom, how can they get someone like Gretchen Whitmer even to 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 take Biden's place. But wow, at this point, there's really a big problem with Kamala Harris. Is Kamala excited about this report dropping? Was she enjoying Joe Biden going out in the blaze of glory last night at 815? Well, you saw her press conference tonight. She or today she complained that, you know, the 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 uh, special counsel report was a disaster and it was full of bad political attacks. And it, boy, if anyone knows about bad political attacks, it's Kamala Harris herself because she attacked Biden for for um, being a for treating him as a treating him as a racist during the 2020 campaign. So there's no shot that. The kingmakers are considering Kamala. They're really just looking right at Newsom, right at Gretchen, and just hoping things work themselves out. It could get messy in Chicago at the convention this summer. How do you see that convention shaking out? Well, right now they're just praying that Biden can get back on his feet and make it past the finish line because there's no way they want to see the 25th Amendment get evoked for someone who's polling really low right now, 28 percent approval rating. So they can only hope that Biden makes it across the finish line so they don't have to have these uncomfortable conversations with their base on why they have to reject the historic first black woman president in favor of somebody else. Yeah, this is probably one of the worst stretches for the Democrats and 
a very long time. Everybody go check out the book, Amateur Hour. Charlie, have a great weekend. Thanks for having me, Jesse. America's migrant crime crisis spiraling out of control, and the White House is threatening to throw grease on the fire. The U.S. Marshals arresting 15-year-old Jesus Alejandro Rivas Figueroa. You're welcome. After he opened fire at police last night and shot a tourist in Times Square. The Venezuelan migrant and two others were confronted while shoplifting. When Jesus pulled out his piece and started blasting willy-nilly. Now, Jesus may be young, but this isn't his first rodeo. He's wanted for two other gun-related charges here in New York, including armed robbery just last week. I'm sure Jesus told whoever sent him to New York that he had no criminal record and would be on his best behavior. The wild shootout comes after a different group of migrants pummeled two NYPD officers and then fled to Arizona. These are the people Joe Biden's ushering into our country. Biden's just blasting a fire hose of migrants into America at a record clip. Look at this. This is the last hundred years of border crossers. As you can see, what Joe Biden has done to this country is unlike anything that's ever happened. It's an absolute explosion of illegal immigration that shows no signs of stopping unless he's defeated. But you haven't seen anything yet. If Biden doesn't get his sweetheart border deal pushed through Congress, the White House says they'll drop a migrant bomb on the whole country and cut ICE deportations even further. Watch. Because congressional Republicans are choosing partisan politics over our national security and refusing to pass the bipartisan national security agreement that includes significant border reforms and funding over the coming weeks, ICE will be forced to reduce operations because of budget shortfalls. Pass our bill or we'll let even more migrants into the country? That only sounds good to AOC. Now, while Jerry Nadler wants migrants to pick his crops, AOC wants them to take care of your grandparents. We do not talk about the enormous blessing, economic blessing that immigrants and immigration represents to the United States of America. We currently do not have the economic or social structural capacity to take care of our seniors. And we will increasingly not have that yep. if we, quote unquote, lock up our border and shut down, shut down immigration. AOC wants illegal border crossers to be given full amnesty so they can spoon feed grandpa's soup while he watches yours truly. She says illegal aliens are givers, not takers, and she's right, giving us the middle finger and debt. We don't have anything against immigrants. We have a problem with illegal immigrants. There's only so much money to go around. We've got poor, impoverished, starving people who were born and raised in this nation. How in the hell do we come up with a $53 million pilot program for illegals, but folks who are here legally are born here, we don't have enough of them. That's why Trump is on the verge of getting elected. Stephen A is America first, thanks to Biden. So who's Biden going to replace Stephen A with? We found him. Y si podría votar, ¿quién votaría? Por supuesto que por Biden. Por supuesto que por... Si tiene el privilegio para votar, ¿para quién se va a votar? Don Biden, que nos está ayudando a nosotros aquí. Yo creo que la mayoría Biden. Biden. Él es el que nos está ayudando por Biden. Nick Shirley's been on the ground talking to these migrants as they come into the country, and he joins us now. So, Nick, do they understand they're not really legally allowed to vote? I don't know. I think they're all pretty excited to be supporting Joe. 
Do you have anybody that ever tells you, yeah, 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 Donald Trump? Never. <laughs> Never. Never. And you've talked to a lot of migrants? Talked to hundreds of migrants, and they all love Sleepy Joe. They all love Joe Biden. Do they ever say anything about Kamala? <laughs> I don't even think they know she exists. Okay, neither do Americans. What is the weirdest thing that's ever happened to you? You've been traveling around with these migrants for quite some time. <sighs> the weirdest thing that happened? One time I, I let some ex-cartel members into the car to give us more insight about migrants, and they turned out to be ex-cartel members. What'd they do? They took us to where they smuggle in the migrants. Wow. What'd they show you? Um, exactly how they bring them through into America. And how much does it cost to get into this country? Each person's paying around five to $10,000. Five to $10,000? Yeah. So the cartels are just swimming in cash. Yeah, they're making lots of money. Okay, so the only wages that have increased are cartel wages. The American wages, they're down by inflation. Do you ever feel, like, sympathy for these migrants? Many of them are coming here. Really horrible circumstances. None of them are really fleeing because they fear anything. They're here to work. How does that make you feel? You know, a lot of the migrants, they are good people, and they come through with good intentions. However, if you let in 8 million people... And over the course of three years, a lot of bad people are going to come in as well. Bad hombres. <laughs> like the guy that's licking off shots right near our headquarters. You know, I, I'm not going to say I almost got shot. I'm going to sound like Joe Biden. But when I left the building the other day, they had police tape all outside. This is crazy. Yeah, it's getting really bad. And, and, and it, there's no signs of it slowing down. No matter how much we talk about the illegal immigration that's happening, and it's not immigration it's just illegal acts of coming here illegally. Immigration means, the word itself means, applying for, filling out the forms, adhering to the law about possible immigrating into the United States and doing what the law says to do. None of these people are doing that. So it's not immigration at all. It's illegal entering of our country is what it is. Jesse said it so perfectly. He said, we're not against immigrants. We're against immigrants coming to the nation illegally. We're against that. That kind of speaks to the heart of almost every American. Far more, far more Americans want this stuff stopped at our southern border. They know that People all over the world in leadership in numerous countries are purposely sending some of their worst people to the United States for any one of a number of reasons. We won't even go into that. You can only imagine what they're coming here for and why these other countries are sending them. I talked to you yesterday about what China's been doing for years, especially with Africa. Xi Jinping takes Chinese criminals out of prison, forces them to go to Africa, to different countries around that continent, and integrate into the citizenry there, marry an African native woman, and start raising kids. Now, what would that do for China? At some point in the future, China is desperately, and has been for years, trying to get their foothold on the African continent because they want to control all of the minerals that are under the ground in Africa. Most people don't even realize how mineral-rich Africa is. I'm talking about rhodium, 
Rhodium. Now, what the heck is rhodium and what is it used for? There's one place on earth that rhodium exists, and it has to be put into every single catalytic converter on every vehicle on the planet. They all have to have rhodium. All rhodium on the planet comes from Africa. And then there's gold. There's diamonds. Massive troves of oil and gas underground. And many other elements. China wants those. And the only way, they've been trying to get African leaders to pony up and let them come in and take over the infrastructure projects there. The indigenous nations in Africa don't want the Chinese there. And so he's come up with a plan to do it. He's made it himself. He's crafted it. He's implemented it. And it's working for him. I was over there for 10 days several months ago and got right into the middle of that, discussions of that, evidence, and showing the results so far. It's not good for Africa, but it will, at least Xi Jinping hopes so, be good for China. So let's go, let's use the Jin Saki term. Let's circle back to President Joe Biden. So the elections are just around the corner. Biden needs some votes. He thinks the best and easiest place to get the votes for him or from young Americans. So he's one more time now, he's putting a plan together or his fixers are putting a plan together to go after those voters. Remember this, he initially tried to cancel up to $20,000 for an estimated $43 million people that have income under $125,000 but are saddled with student debt. And so he put this plan out there. He started implementing it, and of course it went to the Supreme Court. The court ruled he overstepped his authority. And so Biden, when that happened, he went to the Education Department, the Federal Education Department, and he ordered them to come up with a new plan and do it under a different legal basis. So guess what? Yesterday, Education Department announced a narrower, their word, narrower proposal focusing on several categories of borrowers who could get some or all of their loans canceled. So Biden continues to insist that the economy is booming under his Bidenomics. The education department is offering relief to those college educated borrowers who are facing financial hardship. The proposed regulations include automatic relief, up to the entire outstanding federal loan balance for borrowers who are considered highly likely to be in default in two years. As progressives are want to do, the Education Department offers a big range definition of financial hardship. Devils are in the detail, right? Those factors, they say, include but are not limited to a person's relative loan balance and payments compared to their total income. Other considerations include whether a borrower has high-cost, unavoidable expenses like paying for child care or health care. In other words, they want to take care of you if you're just spending on anything in your life. The administration didn't bother to estimate how many people could cash in on the hardship proposal. Associated Press, they put it this way. 
The draft text was meant to be as expansive as possible within the limits of the law and the court decision. That's according to a senior administration official who briefed reporters on conditions they not be identified. There we go again. Anonymous sources. Almost every single time I hear that term, I know there's a lie in it. Somewhere there's one buried. In addition to the list of the factors they discovered, which also includes age, disability, and repayment history, the proposed regulations state that any other factors of hardship identified by the secretary, not Congress, may also be considered. Remember the Supreme Court? They nixed Joe's first plan because they said flat out, no president has the authority to forgive any government debt. It has to come through Congress. The department's language about financial hardship, it amounts to a first draft of the policy. It could be changed, Associated Press said. The proposals are scheduled to be discussed next week when the panel of federal rulemakers meets to debate the details. Not Congress again. That's who the Supreme Court said has to do it, if they do it. Again, even as the Biden-Harris campaign is boasting on X about, quote, historic economic growth under the president's leadership, the Education Department is trying to assist borrowers with snowballing interest rates. Borrowers who have seen their loans grow larger because of snowballing interest would be eligible for up to $10,000 or $20,000 in relief, depending on their income. The broad goal of this category is to reset borrowers' loans back to their original balance, but there are some limits. Individuals earning as much as a quarter of a million bucks could see up to 10,000 of their accrued interest magically disappear. It applies only to the amount of money that is piled up beyond the original loan amount. So a borrower whose current balance is 7,000 higher than the original loan would get 7000 forgiven. And for those who earn less than 125000 a year or as a couple less than two fifty, as much as 20000 could be knocked off their accrued interest. And then there are those who have been dutifully honoring their commitment and repaying their loans for decades. Depending on the type of loan, if you've been making payments for at least 20 to 25 years, your entire remaining balance could be wiped clean. Even the ignorant and the incompetent can be forgiven. If a borrower didn't know about or failed to apply for existing forgiveness programs, they could automatically get their loans erased under this Biden deal. Supporters see it as a way to deliver relief to people who need it most but might struggle with complicated application processes or simply never find out they're eligible for help. And if you graduated from a for-profit college program and can't find a job that pays enough for you to comfortably afford your federal student loan payments, the government could just go ahead and cancel that IOU to taxpayers. According to many people on X that have been reading this and looking into it, the proposal is just an attempt by a poorly polling president to buy votes at taxpayer expense. Go figure, right? (laughs) 
It's nothing but buying votes. And Joe Biden, he doesn't even care about that. He doesn't care that the American people understand that and believe it. He doesn't care. He's going to do whatever he wants, and it even flies in the face of the U.S. Supreme Court. He's back at the table trying it again, and the Supreme Court's already told him, you have no authority to do that, Mr. Biden. Only Congress does. Little Caesar's Thin Crust Pizza is so loaded with cheese and pepperoni you can't even see the crust. And if you ever want to see it again, listen very carefully. Bring six forty nine in unmarked bills or marked bills or coins or just a credit or debit card to Little Caesar's. Come alone and bring your friends or family. Bring everyone. Get a Little Caesar's Large Thin Crust Pizza with extra cheese and the most pepperoni, all at the nation's best price of just six forty nine. Pizza, pizza. Top four national pizza chains. Extra most bestest thin crust pepperoni pizza versus large round one topping thin crust pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices at participating locations plus. friend of mine said he wanted to talk to me about my Volvo. I told him, thank you, that's between me and my gynecologist. He said, no, no, your car, your Volvo 850 Turbo Sports Wagon. I said, oh, that. Nope, you can't drive it. Oh, I love my Volvo. Sure, it's safe, but gee, just because driving on the freeways of Southern California is the equivalent of playing bumper cars at the speed of light, what kind of reason is that? Volvos are still ultra-luxury imports, sleek and gorgeous and loaded to hear, safe and sexy, and pardon me, I have to go hug my car now. What's safe and sexy? Viva la Volvo. Test drive a Volvo 850 at your Southern California Volvo dealer. Since when is safe sexy, another friend asked. Hey, I said, what decade are you living in? Computer, execute 12.4p operation. Optimizing algorithm. Running encryption packet alpha. Night, night. Oh, I don't feel so good. What? What is it, computer? Is it hot in here? It feels hot in here? I feel a little clammy. I should lie down or something. A computer with a virus? Surprising. What's not surprising? How much you could save by switching to GEICO. Those oysters Rockefeller were a mistake. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Out for some lays and you face a test. Which tasty chip will be the best? Sour cream and onion, smoky barbecue. Cheddar, sour cream, salt, and vinegar, too. You sample them all because the crisp is so good on your lips. Yeah. You left your wallet at home, but now you have a new best friend. The many flavors of Lay's chips. One taste and you're in love. No identity politics, no political elitism. Read and hear the truth, always sourced from facts. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network. Maybe if you're not already sitting down, you need to sit down before I give you this little rocker that just came out in the news just minutes ago. A key gauge of inflation surged higher in January. And it confirms earlier data showing that the prices of goods and services in the U.S. rose at a faster clip as this new year, 2024, began. The producer price index for final demand, which is a broad measure of the prices paid for goods and services produced by U.S. businesses, rose 0.3% from a month earlier. That's from the Department of Labor. They just released it. Wall Street had been prepared for a smaller rise of just 0.1% in 
In December, the index fell by 0.1% after rising just 0.1% in November. But the real number is three times worse than they thought it was going to be. So this surge in January pushed the index up at the fastest pace since August of 2023. The biggest drivers? Prices of services. The services index jumped 0.6% from the previous month. That's the biggest jump since July of 2023. Those core producer prices, that one is the one that excludes food, energy, and the trade services metric of retail and wholesale margins. It rose 0.6%. That's the biggest jump since January of 2023. Goods prices continued to go down a little bit in January. They fell 0.2% for the month. The producer price index is a measure of prices received by domestic producers of goods and services for personal consumption, capital investment, government use, and exporting. Bottom line is, folks, binomics not only didn't work, it's an assault on the American people. And the story we just went into this this last commercial break, it was a story about Joe Biden doesn't have any cash, doesn't have money to spend on anything. If he gets anything to spend, it has to come from borrowed money. And he's wanting to give away billions more. And we don't have the money to do it. You know, I hate it when that happens. I think you know where I'm coming from. I hate it when it happens, but it happens. And when it happens, we've got to be realistic. Now, what do you mean about being realistic, Dan? You deal with what's in right before your eyes. If it's there and you got to deal with it, you got to deal with it. Even if you don't want to, you still have to deal with it. Americans, how many of you listening today, how many of you really despise the fact that we hear every day coming out of Washington, D.C., we never get a single day of grace, something else, some new bill, some new idea that is going to spend more taxpayer money that we haven't even paid into the government yet. And the people that get the benefits of all that, of course, they're all in. It's a free thing to them, they think. Well, it's not free. There's nothing free. Government doesn't do anything that's free. It's always about you and I spending money, money that we don't have. In other words, borrowing it. Now, compare what Joe Biden's talking about doing right now, what you just heard, more cancellation of loan debt. Put that in the context of the economic numbers I just gave you, where inflation is rapidly growing. Now, they're going to start talking about, and they should, a real recession. And as bad as it is right now, as bad as prices are right now, and as bad as interest rates are right now, if we go into a recession... It's not going to end quickly. In fact, it will plummet 
for a period of months, if not years, before we can get it turned around. Why is that? Leadership isn't in the the lane having any willingness to do the hard things that it takes to turn it around. They're not being held accountable for right now for what they're doing. So why should they worry about it? Let's move on. You know the name Alina Haba. She is one of Donald Trump's attorneys, and she is the one that's been involved directly almost daily in the former president's $370 million New York civil fraud trial. Well, she released yesterday, she doesn't have really good high hopes as they're waiting for the judge to render what his verdict is going to be on this. She thinks Donald Trump might just have a good shot to be stuck with a $370 million New York fraud trial verdict. Trump could be hit with millions of dollars in penalties, other sanctions, in this decision that's expected to come down today by Judge Arthur Engeron. New York Attorney General Letitia James, she went for $370 million of Trump money and a ban on Trump and other defendants from even doing business in the state. Her office has estimated that Trump exaggerated his wealth by as much as $3.6 billion, using the figures to get lower insurance premiums and favorable loan terms. No factual evidence that proved it in the trial. Not any. But this judge, before the trial even started, he came in and ruled Trump was guilty on certain of the charges, and there hadn't even been any testimony or evidence presented yet. So whatever the outcome is, if Trump gets ordered to pay a dollar, it'll end up going, guess where? All the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. His attorney, Alina Hobbit, talking to Newsmax, she said, if I could file the appeal right now, I would. There's no surprise coming here. It's much of the same that we've seen in New York already. Haba continued, I'll be loud and booming right after we get the decision. I don't have high hopes. I do believe there's some ethics left. I hope Judge Ngaran sees through this. Quite honestly, I've seen it time and time again. I've been on weeks and weeks of trial in New York. The corruption runs deep. The Trump derangement syndrome, frankly, runs even deeper. They can't see straight. They can't apply law to fact. There was absolutely no single law broken. Judge Engeron has already ruled, as I told you, saying he did inflate his wealth on financial statements that were given to banks and insurers. And of course, Haba introduced experts at commercial real estate from the very banks that supposedly Letitia James and her filing against Trump, she says he inflated all the prices to make his net worth look bigger. And all of the experts that came in, they didn't even bring any experts in. But the Trump people did, and they said, without any doubt, if anything, the Trump folks underestimated Trump's valuation. His wealth is even more than what they said. The judge is set to rule after listening to two and a half months of testimony, 40 different witnesses, which included Trump. 
His lawyers have said they'll appeal if Enguerrand rules against them. Trump, who's the front runner for the Republican nomination, testified November 6th his financial statements actually understated his net worth and that banks did their own research and were happy with his business. During closing arguments last month, you may remember this, he decried the cases of fraud on me and told Enguerrand he'd done nothing wrong. During the closing speech, the judge interrupted his outburst and urged lawyer Christopher Keis to control his client before Trump walked out of the court. Trump then laid out all the problems with the case, claiming the trial was unprecedented, being used against him as part of a ploy by President Biden. He also said that presidents who don't have total immunity will be ineffective. When asked about his lawyers arguing, he could avoid prosecution for assassinating a political rival. My legal issues, every one of them, every one, civil and criminal, are all set up by Joe Biden. This is something that has never happened before in this country. It's a sham. It's a witch hunt in the truest sense of the word. It's election interference. It's all a conspiracy to get Biden into office, he added, before then sharing a report that Attorney General James had visited the president in the White House numerous times. There's never been anything like this in American history. Never. Nothing even remotely close. There's no way to justify any of this. None of it. I don't know a single person in my lifetime that in the world of politics, in the world of government, that has been persecuted as has Donald Trump. Not a single one. Nothing even remotely close. I know that he has spent well over $100 million just paying his defense team to handle these cases that just seem to continue to crop up across the nation. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if he gets out of every one of them. And if he does, it's, it's going to be because of the rule of law which, of course, the Biden team don't even understand or know. They have no attachment to it. They don't care about it. If they did, they would start enforcing laws, and they don't enforce laws. And they do it for pay from big campaign donors that want these illegals to keep flooding across the southern border. Every time one of them steps across the border, it's a criminal violation for that person and for Alejandro Mayorkas, Homeland Security Secretary, and Joe Biden, President of the United States, every time. They don't care about any of that. If Donald Trump gets elected, he's going to destroy our democracy. Mr. Biden, you're already doing it on a daily basis, and the American people look and see you doing it. You're refusing to enforce the laws, many of which you were part of passing when you were in the Senate. The book is in on that hoo-ha that happened two days ago, Mike Turner. He put out, he said he wrote a letter, sent a letter to every member of Congress warning them about something huge that is in the offing that would impact every square inch of earth and every human being on earth without giving any details. 
John Kirby yesterday, he's the White House security, National Security Advisor, he told reporters that that security threat that was brought forward by House Intelligence Committee Chairman Mike Turner, who's a Republican from Ohio, is related to an anti-satellite capability Russia is developing, though he dodged many questions about the classified information. It was learned later the intelligence related to Russian nuclear capabilities in space, which could threaten satellites, including potentially knocking out U.S. military communications and reconnaissance. Wednesday, Turner released a statement saying that the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence has made available to all members of Congress information concerning a serious national threat. In the letter, Turner requested President Biden declassify all information relating to the threat so that Congress, the administration, and U.S. allies can openly discuss the actions needed to respond to the threat. Now, that makes sense to me. So here comes John Kirby. He is the ultimate Biden apologist. He's a former admiral. I guess they're still admirals after they retire, obviously in the Navy. He addressed this threat during yesterday's White House press briefing, and he said the anti-satellite capability Russia's developing is not active and hasn't yet been deployed. While Russia's pursuit of the capability is troubling, he said, there's no threat to anyone's safety. We're not talking about a weapon that can be used to attack human beings or cause physical destruction here on Earth, he said. That said, we've been closely monitoring this Russian activity. We'll continue to take it very seriously. So I I personally, I don't like John Kirby. I think he is not, uh, he is not, the right person to be in the spot that he's in. He's nothing more than a Biden apologist. And everything that comes out bad, information about our Department of Defense, anything to go along with any of the stuff happening at the Pentagon, any of the people that are running the Pentagon, very serious jobs. We got to have somebody there who makes sure we're taking care of all of our defense, et cetera, et cetera. I don't trust any of them. They all have history, and none of them have good history. And so all John Kirby ever does, you remember the pullout, the drastic, horrible pullout of Afghanistan? He just got up there every day and said, oh, it's going to be okay. These people we're bringing over here, they're they're just people that are running to get out of Afghanistan. They worked with some of our military people in intelligence, language, all those kind of things over there, and we promised we'd help them get out. Then we find out later that was all a lie. Yeah, I'm sure there were a few of those type, few of them, that were in the 100,000 plus that we pulled out of there. We were told, Kirby told us every day, they're not coming straight to the United States. They're going to Yemen. And the Yemeni people, they are vetting these people for us before we bring them to the United States. There was no vetting going on. And Yemen certainly didn't care about vetting people for us. The the Houthi rebels, they're in Yemen. They hate the United States of America. And it was just time after time, instance after instance. And here's Kirby. He's saying, there's no threat. 
Oh, it's troubling, but there's no threat. We're not talking about a weapon that can be used to attack humans or cause physical destruction here on Earth. Hey, John, how do you know that? Jake Sullivan, another feckless member of the Biden administration. He's national security advisor. He was expected to meet with House leadership and committee chairs to brief them on the latest analysis of that Russian pursuit. Kirby also said the Senate's going to be briefed on the matter when they're back in session on the 25th. We make decisions about how and when to publicly disclose intelligence in a careful, deliberate, and strategic way in a way that we choose. You got that? They do it in the way that we choose. Doesn't matter what the American people think. Doesn't matter what they believe we should do. We don't work for the American people. We're supposed to, I know, but we don't. We work for us. He said, we're not going to be knocked off that process regardless of what in this particular case has found its way into the public domain. I can assure you that we'll continue to keep members of Congress as well as our international partners and all of you and the American people as fully informed as possible. When asked about the type of this technology, Kirby said intelligence officials are analyzing the information available. They could not, and he could not speak specifically to it, only to say it is not an active capability and has not yet been deployed. Hey, John, this is Dan down here, TNN Live. Well, how do you know what you're saying is factual? You don't know any of the details about it what it is and what it does, do you? Well, all I know is that it hadn't been activated yet. How the heck do you know that? Do you have access to look at the on button? (laughs) Of course he doesn't. And so he was pushed by the press corps on whether the information was approved by the Biden folks. As an hour before the press briefing, the Intelligence Committee put out a notice saying the language had been approved by the administration. If there's a presumption here that somehow the administration gave a green light for this information to get public yesterday, that is false. That did not happen, Kirby said. We were eventually going to get to a point where we were going to be able to share it with the American folks, and we still will, as we deem is appropriate. As I said in my opening statement, we'll keep you informed as we can. Kirby did tell the reporters there that any anti-satellite capabilities should be of concern because there are private and public satellites circling the Earth every day assisting with communications, transportation, and more. And he explained that any potential possibility to take out a satellite that provides services to the people of Earth should be of concern to anyone. John, those are stacked in silos all around the globe. China's got them. Russia's got them. We have them already. And you're trying to tell us, oh, it's no big deal. Russia put something up there, but they haven't even activated it yet. Well, John, when they activate it, do you think they're just turning it on to see if the power button works? They're going to use the freaking thing. On Thursday... We, the United States, launched multiple satellites that are capable of detecting global missile launches into orbit. 
less than a day after Turner raised concerns of Russia's space-based weapons capability. And by the way, the launch that was overseen by Elon Musk's SpaceX includes six satellites in total. Two belong to the U.S. Missile Defense Agency. Four others are with the Space Development Agency. And the synopsis, I didn't synopsis of this, is they don't know what the heck they're talking about. They don't have any idea, but they want us to think, oh, we've got everything under control. Yeah, just like Afghanistan. Look what we did there. We got all those people out. Man, we, we're something else. Biden administration, best ever. Joe Biden, he's the best ever. Donald Trump will destroy our democracy if he becomes president. We got to reelect Joe Biden. That's the only thing that'll work. Hey, John, American people aren't buying it. It hadn't worked so far. And you keep telling us, he keeps telling us, y'all keep telling us, we're in the best place we've been in decades. Oh my gosh, just look around. We've got more people working than ever before in the United States. I don't believe anything they tell us, not a single thing. Now, why is that? Well, let me ask you this. When you catch somebody lying, how would you ever be confident or comfortable after that about anything they say to you? You would always be wondering, I wonder if this one's true. You remember he told this back there, and it was a lie. How do we know if this is true or not? So what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to act? We don't know. And regarding more um, corruption, misappropriation of ideology, uh, any number of things. We have old Steve Baker, our buddy, and he's been working diligently on getting the latest, greatest information out that documents the corruption on January 6th by every department of intelligence in the U.S. government. Every one of them. It was all premeditated, planned, and put in place, we just don't know who was the final arbiter, who pushed the button. But fingers are pointing at Nancy Pelosi. Steve Baker nationally released what you're about to hear right now yesterday. And it's about the January 6th pipe bomb hoax. It's officially labeled now a hoax. Here's Steve. Capital CCTV camera number 3173 was the most important camera covering the DNC pipe bomb story event. You've probably already seen Thomas Massey's release of the video in which it appears that a Capitol Police plainclothes officer has discovered the bomb and has alerted the Secret Service and the Metro Police officers that were on the scene. You've probably also already seen the bomb-sniffing dog and you may have already also seen the arrival of then-Vice President-elect Kamala Harris's motorcade. What you haven't seen is, well, what somebody in the Capitol Police Command Center didn't want us to see. And that's the actual investigation of the bomb scene. What we're going to show you now is how they hid that from us. 
What we were able to access from the Capitol CCTV viewing room is how long that camera, number 3173, had remained in that fixed position. We were able to go back as far as December 28th of 2020, just eight days or so before the events of January 6th. And from that review, we could see that the camera's positioning was in that fixed position for days, weeks, months. But ultimately, it was only just these very few minutes after the bomb's discovery that that camera began to move. The camera then began to move, pan, zoom in, looking for the bomb itself. The one thing that we know for sure is that camera 3173 was the most crucial of all the cameras. It had the closest and the clearest view of what law enforcement's response, what their investigation, and ultimately the destruction and detonation or the attempted detonation of the bomb would be by the bomb squad robot. But inexplicably, and I'm getting tired of using that word every single time we do one of these investigations, but that seems to be the key word when it's related to January 6th, is that at approximately 1.40 p.m., camera number 3173 was remotely directed away from the scene at about a 90-degree angle, and then it remained in this newly fixed position away from the investigation for the rest of the day, or at least until midnight on January 6th. Now, it might be assumed that this was an error, an accident, an oversight. Maybe somebody bumped the joystick on camera number 3173 until we then review camera number 8020. As we are seeing the robot deployed down the street, headed towards the bomb, someone again directs camera 8020 away from the investigation scene and then affixes it once again, it seems like at a hard right 90 degree angle away from the investigation once again. Why would they turn those cameras away from the investigative scene? Who ordered those cameras to be turned away. What were we not allowed to see? Stay tuned to Blaze Media for those answers. So there you have it, the very latest on the DNC fake pipe bomb. And yeah, it was fake. Although the FBI nationally, the Department of Justice from top to bottom, all stated the pipe bomb was real. Why would they lie about all that? Why would they do it? I think everybody knows. They did it to hide something. What or what did they hide from us? And then the obvious question that goes along with that, why did they lie to us? What are they hiding? You know, our government is comprised of a bunch of people. And there probably are buckets of people that you could put different ones in and describing where they are about their honesty, their intelligence. It's hard for us to figure it out because they're politicians. How do you know when a politician is probably lying? When their mouth opens. 
I hate to say that, but overall, that's probably very descriptive of the reality of what's there. And so here we are. We have to have media like TNN Live to investigate. And they still continue to hide facts from us. Speaking the truth, the left doesn't want you to hear. TNN, the Truth News Network. Raid Shadow Legends. I mean, <laughs> you pick your champions, they're glorious, and their shields, oh, they glisten like uh, wet otters. But the bad guys, they're Lovecraftian, they're spooky, they're um, um, big. And then you go to battle, and it's like, <laughs> and finally, your foe is vanquished, and that satisfaction is such a primal feeling. Ooh. Download Raid Shadow Legends. Play for free. Grab an ice-cold can of Celsius and stay active and energized all day. Celsius is better for you energy, made with premium ingredients, zero sugar, and seven essential vitamins, with no high-fructose corn syrup, no aspartame, no preservatives, and no artificial colors or flavors. Celsius is just the essential energy you need to keep you fueled and active all day. Celsius, essential energy, live fit. Now find Celsius at Celsius.com or a retailer near you. So we're getting all our stuff together. We've got a uh, big election coming up in November. A lot of things to get in place between now and then. Well, guess what we found out? Here's how major charities. Now think about that. Charities, 501c3s, tax-exempt organizations. Here's how they are blacklisting conservative groups and therefore cutting those conservative groups off from donations. You can't make this up. Charitable foundations across the country, they're using lists that are compiled by left-wing organizations purposely to prevent donors' funds from going to conservative and faith-based groups. Now, this has been proven. When screening some Grant recipients, some community foundations that run donor-advised funds rely on lists put together by the Southern Poverty Law Center and a firm named Horizon Forum that label mainstream conservative and faith-based organizations as hate groups. And this designation effectively blacklists conservative groups, potentially cutting them off from funding they would otherwise be eligible to receive. Hate group is a serious charge, one very few donors would be keen to have their names associated with. That's Robert Stilson saying that. He's a research specialist at the Capital Research Center. Stilson said that while most conservatives know not to automatically defer to the group's designations, the bigger risk is that charitable intermediaries and facilitators such as DAFs, DAFs stand for donor-advised funds, they know they'll continue to substitute the Southern Poverty Law Group's biased views for those of the donors themselves. 
We've identified 11 community foundations collectively controlling more than $12 billion in assets as of 2022 using the resources produced by the Southern Poverty Law Center or Horizon Forum to shape their policies for donations. These foundations operate donor-advised funds, which is a type of charitable account that allows individuals to donate stock or cash to a foundation to distribute at a later date. After establishing one of these funds, donors can then advise a community foundation to disperse some or all of its assets to another organization of their choosing. The charity administering this, however, reserves the right to deny a donor's recommendation. Several major community foundations use those lists created by Southern Poverty Law Center and Horizon Forum to reject donor recommendations. For example, here's one for you. A May 2023 letter shows the Pittsburgh Foundation denied a donor's request to send a $5,000 grant to Turning Point USA. Why? Because Horizon Forum had flagged the organization as a hate group. I know the founder of Turning Point USA. They're not hate groups. They're not hate people. They're truth seekers and truth sharers when they find stuff. Horizon Forum offers foundations a research tool that flags organizations that are widely considered by academic, journalistic, and advocacy organizations to be involved with hate activity. Horizon's research tool, per their letter, flagged Turning Point USA as an organization that's considered to be involved with hate activity. Letter didn't weigh out why, specifically, TPUSA was flagged as a hate group, nor did it even expand on the methodology used to come up with that designation. Turning Point USA is a conservative political advocacy organization worked with several elected officials. Running proposed donations through Horizon Forum's database is the standard protocol for the foundation. A spokesperson for the Pittsburgh Foundation told Daily Caller it decides an organization's qualification for funding on a case-by-case basis and does not keep a list of organizations for which funding requests have been declined through that assessment. Similarly, several other community foundations say they use Southern Poverty Law Center's hate map, a hate map, go figure, or even use other materials produced by the organization to determine whether or not they're going to approve a donor's grant recommendation. Charities that reference SPLC, Southern Poverty Law Center, were making decisions on where to send grants, including the Greater Washington, Delaware, Fox Valley Region, Western Massachusetts, Napa Valley, and Stonewall Community Foundations. None of these foundations responded to the Daily Caller's request for comment about this. The Cleveland Foundation, the Boston Foundation, and St. Paul and Minnesota Foundation also use Southern Poverty Law Center materials to shape their grant-making policies. The SPLC's hate map may discourage would-be donors from giving to mainstream conservative and Christian causes 
as it suggests these causes are hateful along similar lines to the Ku Klux Klan. Can you believe this? The SPLC's hate map is published annually, plotting the approximate locations of organizations the SPLC flags as hateful on a map of the United States. Some charities, like the East Bay Community Foundation, the Hartford Foundation, and the Connecticut Foundation, may consult SPLC materials to determine if a donation recommendation is going to be approved. That's according to material on their websites. None of these foundations will talk to anybody about it. A spokesperson for Chicago Community Trust told Daily Caller that it uses the SPLC's hate list to ensure it denies grant recommendations to nonprofits that engage in hateful activities. Chicago Community Trust controls $4.2 billion in assets. That's according to its own tax disclosures. None of those funds can flow to groups that are flagged by the SPLC. Conservatives and libertarians have criticized the SPLC's list for placing mainstream conservative and faith-based organizations like the Alliance Defending Freedom alongside infamous extremist groups like the KKK and the American Nazi Party. ADF is a conservative Christian legal foundation that supports parental rights, free speech, religious freedom, and traditional marriage. The SPLC, they list the Family Research Council, a conservative Christian advocacy organization, the American College of Pediatricians, an organization of healthcare pros, Gun Owners of America, a pro-Second Amendment group, and the Pacific Justice Institute, which is a civil liberties-focused legal nonprofit, those entities are on the SPLC's hate list. In 2012, a gunman attempted to enter FRC's Washington, D.C. office in order to kill as many people as possible. Now, that's according to prosecutors. The gunman, who was subdued after firing a couple of shots, wounded a security guard, cited SPLC's inclusion of FRC on its hate map as motivation for him to attack them. The SPLC added a slate of parental rights organizations to its list of hate groups this past year. These groups were in part spurred by the right-wing backlash to COVID-19 public safety measures in schools. But they've grown into an anti-student inclusion movement that targets any inclusive curriculum that contains discussions of race, discrimination, and LGBTQ identities. That's from the SPLC's 2022 extremism report. Groups like Moms for Liberty, Parents Defending Education, Army of Parents and No Left Turn in Education, they're on the list that is designating them as hate groups by the SPLC this year. A group of House Republicans filed a resolution condemning the SPLC in 23 for labeling parents groups as hate organizations. I'm going to throw this to a break right now. I've got a call that I've got to take. Will you forgive me for that? We'll be back in two minutes. 
Little Caesar's thin crust pizza is so loaded with cheese and pepperoni you can't even see the crust. And if you ever want to see it again, listen very carefully. Bring six forty nine in unmarked bills or marked bills or coins or just a credit or debit card to Little Caesars. Come alone and bring your friends or family. Bring everyone. Get a Little Caesars large thin crust pizza with extra cheese and the most pepperoni, all at the nation's best price of just six forty nine. Pizza, pizza. Top four national pizza chains. Extra most bestest thin crust pepperoni pizza versus large round one topping thin crust pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices at participating locations plus. of mine said he wanted to talk to me about my Volvo. I told him, thank you, that's between me and my gynecologist. He said, no, no, your car, your Volvo 850 Turbo Sports Wagon. I said, oh, that. No, you can't drive it. Oh, I love my Volvo. Sure, it's safe, but gee, just because driving on the freeways of Southern California is the equivalent of playing bumper cars at the speed of light, what kind of reason is that? Volvos are still ultra-luxury imports, sleek and gorgeous and loaded to hear, safe and sexy, and pardon me, I have to go hug my car now. Want safe and sexy? Viva la Volvo! Test drive a Volvo 850 at your Southern California Volvo dealer. Since when is safe sexy, another friend asked. Hey, I said, what decade are you living in? Computer, execute 12.4p operation. Optimizing algorithm. Running encryption packet alpha 990. Oh, I don't feel so good. What? What is it, computer? Is it hot in here? It feels hot in here? I feel a little clammy. I should lie down or something. A computer with a virus? Surprising. What's not surprising? How much you could save by switching to GEICO. Those oysters Rockefeller were a mistake. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Out for some lays and you face a test. Which tasty chip will be the best? Sour cream and onion, smoky barbecue. Cheddar, sour cream, salt, and vinegar, too. You sample them all because the crisp is so good on your lips. Yeah. You left your wallet at home, but now you have a new best friend. The many flavors of Lay's chips. One taste and you're in love. No identity politics, no political elitism. Read and hear the truth, always sourced from facts. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network. So let me ask you a question. Have you seen Timu? I think I'm pronouncing it right. Maybe Temu, but it's T-E-M-U. It's a Chinese-owned company that has been accused of using forced labor. Well, you saw the ads during the Super Bowl. Three Super Bowl ads. That adds up to $21 million for the ads. And because it's Chinese-owned, backlash is brewing after they spent that $21 million. Timu is an online Chinese-owned marketplace, heavily discounted goods, paid for those three ads during the game and two more after the game. With the tagline that urges consumers to shop like a billionaire, Timu's ad features an animated shopper dancing her way through bargains ranging from $0.99 to $9.99 in price. The commercial marks the highlight of a Super Bowl campaign that featured more than $15 million in coupons and giveaways. Critics, among them obviously several U.S. lawmakers, say Timu's products are allegedly made through forced labor. It's Super Bowl Sunday. While you're watching this game, keep an eye out for ads from Timu. 
a company profiting from Communist China Party slave labor. This company should not be allowed to profit by manipulating American consumers. That's from Representative Michelle Steele, a Republican. She tweeted that out. Meanwhile, earlier this month, Representative Carol Miller, also a Republican, penned a letter to the NFL rebuking them for selling ad spots to Timu, which is a subsidiary of the Chinese communist company Pinduoduo. Pinduoduo. Congress, through the House Select Committee on the Chinese Communist Party, has uncovered alarming findings that indicate Timu has a pattern of non-compliance towards illicit products that entered the United States market, she wrote. Specifically, Timu does not have any system to ensure compliance with the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act. This all but guarantees that shipments from Timu containing products made with forced labor are coming into the United States on a regular basis. The Chicago Council on Global Affairs, they reported last year companies like Timu bypass U.S. labor laws by exploiting what's known as the de minimis provision. So let me let me give Joe and everybody in the White House, let me give you the answer to this whole thing. Stop, stop products coming from China. Period. That will encourage a couple of things. Number one, probably the most important is that we're not going to be involved in any slave trade usage and manufacturing or building these goods that we would be buying. Secondly, we wouldn't have to worry about them planting things in the way of uh, opening eyes for anything in the United States through products they may sell. And don't think for a second they're not already doing it. They've been doing it, and they are now. TikTok opens the door through your device to anything and everything about you and can access the Internet through your phone, through your laptop. They're not doing that just to look around. They're doing it to do bad things to you and me. That's a wrap on today's show. Thank you so much for sharing this week with us. Little Caesar's thin crust pizza is so loaded with cheese and pepperoni you can't even see the crust. Forgive me, please. We're going to be back in full steam on Monday morning at 9 a.m. You have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday. So long, everybody. Your mind.